welcome to Big G in Conversation, the podcast from inside Guelph City Hall. I'm Wendy King, and on today's show, we're talking with the folks from the City Clerk's Office, all about City Council, projects, procedures, and policies. So let's move into City Council Chambers and get started. Well, it is great to be able to keep our conversations going with this podcast as we talk about all things City Council. I'm Wendy King, your host, and joining me today is General Manager of the City Clerk's Office, Stephen O'Brien, Dylan McMahon, Manager of Legislative Services, and Jennifer Slater, Manager of Information, Privacy, and Elections. So thanks, everybody, for your time and welcome. Thanks for having us. So I guess, Stephen, as an overview, very basic, uh, what is it that the city clerk's office is responsible for? Oh, um, you know, I, I liken it back to sort of the role as a connector. We, we play a really important role, I think, in connecting the community to, to their local government. Um, sort of our, our, our things that are sort of um, steady and true for our work are supporting council and that legislative process and the decision making that they make. We also, as some of the titles that you mentioned uh, allude to, we, we have a mandate to support uh, the city's records management, information, uh, privacy processes. And every four years we uh, support and deliver municipal elections. We also, um, not so much during COVID, but uh, you can still come into City Hall during COVID and the folks you'll see at the ground floor are, are our service Guelph team. And so we also offer frontline customer service in that regard. I always assume city, uh, city Council's offices is where I went to get well, a lot of information, but pay your bills back in the day. Not that people do that probably as much anymore. <laughs> There's still some of that happening, but yeah. Yeah. So um, lots of big projects underway, I know. Among them, council composition and ward boundary review. So if you could just remind us, um, how many councillors now represent the city and how many wards? Yeah, so 12 members of council plus the mayor, a 13 member council in total, and they're spread out over six wards. So the mayor is elected at large and each of those um, councillors share a ward with a councilmate. So two councillors per ward. And are they full time or part time? Right now, right now, technically part time. Um, and that's um, sort of a bit, uh, and it, it came out of some of the discussions that, and the engagement that the team did with members of council. Really, it's not a hard and fast rule in terms of compensation remuneration part time, but certainly some members of council bring a full time level of work to the to the job. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. So I, this might be for Dylan, but whoever, um, how long since you've done like a comprehensive review of all that? Hey, Wendy. Yeah. So I don't know that in, in Guelph's history, we've ever done a con comprehensive review quite to the extent that we're doing it right now. So there's been some tweaks toward boundaries over the years. There was a ward boundary review back in the 1990s, um, but the composition of council. So the idea of 12 part-time councillors uh, and the mayor, that's been in place for many, many, many years um, without any sort of significant changes. So I know that Guelph has just grown incredibly, uh, and I guess the idea is to make sure that all regions are fairly represented. So do you take into account how much the city will grow, say, in the next decade, as well as how much it has grown? Yeah, for sure. So I think at the end of the day, the, the goal of the project on the composition side and the war boundary side is to make sure that residents of Guelph have fair and effective representation. That means now but also as Guelph grows. So we're gonna look at population trends over the next 10 years to make sure that any sort of revisions are gonna ensure that that fair representation as the city grows from, I think about 160,000 right now to about 191,000 in, uh, in 10 years. 
Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a big growth. That's amazing. So um, I, I'm sure that you're looking for community engagement. You've probably already had some. Um, are you looking for feedback? And in what way? Yeah, we're absolutely looking for feedback. So the, the first phase of the project regarding council composition is wrapped up. We're in the second phase now, which is the ward boundary review. There's three rounds of engagement we're gonna be conducting for the review. We've done the first round, which was all about sort of informing and educating the public, getting an understanding of the principles that underpin ward boundaries. And now um, in the next couple of weeks, live on February 23rd, we'll have the second round of engagement for the ward boundary review. And that's exciting because that's the first time that we're actually gonna be looking at revised ward boundary maps. So we're gonna have in the vicinity of 12 sort of different options, um, for ward boundaries, for different sort of compositions, composition structures that members of the public will be able to uh, look at and go over and give us feedback on. So when you look at that, uh, the wards, obviously you're talking about, you might have to extend some, some might get smaller. I'm assuming a lot will get bigger. Just what kind of options do, do the public have to look at? There's, there's gonna be a lot, of, a lot of different options there. So when it comes to ward boundaries, there's sort of different principles that underpin the way that they're designed. So our, our consultant team is gonna look at population parity. So making sure that the number of residents um, in different wards is roughly equal right now. Uh -huh. There's also an element of making sure that they're roughly equal in 10 years that, you know, we don't make something that's really good today, but, but not so good in 10 years. But we also wanna make sure that ward boundaries respect um, neighborhoods, the neighborhoods that people live in, the communities of interest. We don't wanna draw ward boundaries that, that sort of heave or, or cut um, neighborhoods in half. So we're gonna try and respect those. And then we also try and use physical geographic boundaries, uh, whether it's roadways, railways, rivers in Guelph is, is pretty relevant, I think. And all of that comes together um, to sort of underpin the, the actual way that those ward boundaries would be drawn. And when you say uh, council composition, what do you mean exactly? Yeah, so for council composition, we're sort of talking about what, what Stephen described um, earlier. So how many councillors do we have? Are they full-time or are they part-time? And how are they elected? So is it one elected per ward, two elected per ward, perhaps even three councillors elected per ward? Um, obviously, that's very closely tied to the number of wards that we have. So they're sort of flip sides of the same coin. Gotcha. Okay. So, and then also, um, I know you said there's some more feedback, some more public meetings, et cetera. Uh, next steps then for the boundary review? So, so next step will be the second round of engagement. That starts on February 23rd. We're going to have two town halls. Um, one will be in the afternoon. So I don't know the, the date's just handy right now, but we'll have two town halls. It'll be posted on, on guelph.ca uh, during about a two to three week engagement period. And then we'll be coming back to the public again in April with a reduced um, sort of set of options. So we're, we're going forward with 12 options right now. We'll come back in April with two, three, maybe four sort of final options and the community will get to um, give us some input and some feedback on, on those options again. And then when do you think it's all decided? We're looking to have council make a decision in June. So hopefully by the end of June, um, we'll bring bringing forward reports to council with some recommendations and, and we'll have a decision for them at that point. Okay. So now if the word configurations change, then obviously it impacts, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, voting methods. So bringing Jennifer in for this, and I guess we're talking 2022 for the next municipal election is 
Yep, that's right, Wendy. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a hot topic. I mean, fair and accessible voting procedures, as we've just all experienced with our American neighbors. So this is a biggie. So where do you guys stand? Do you do mail-in options? Yeah, so right now we're, we're coming to council next week on February 17th. Um, and we're, we're recommending a vote by mail option as a remote option to make sure that, um, you know, if people live outside of the city, if they're not able to get in and obviously very conscious of the current COVID-19 context that we want to have an option that would allow people to vote without having to come into an in-person poll. So, so have you ever done mail-in option or would this be the first time? This would be the first time we've offered vote by mail. Um, but, you know, looking at the context of provincial and federal offerings at higher levels of government and it has been offered by other municipalities uh, cities throughout COVID uh, and we're, we're comfortable we can develop processes and that would be a, a good option to offer. So yeah what would you have to do uh, in order to implement that obviously you have to make sure you got a pretty good system going. Absolutely I think processes are, are something that's very important to make sure that um, processes and communication so that the, the public knows if they can request a mail kit, how to do that, when they need to do that. Um, and so we would obviously be developing those very early uh, and working with uh, our vendors to make sure we can get those mail kits and what that process would look like. So I don't know if you have, um, if this has all been discussed already, but um, can you tell uh, from your studies if the public is confident in that way of voting? Um, so we did do public engagement at the end of last year on voting methods, uh, and you know we offered we talked about three options. We talked about uh, internet voting, we talked about telephone voting, and we talked about vote by mail. Um, we saw a relatively high level of confidence with each of the options, but certainly there was a distinct public preference for internet voting, and that's something that we've noted and we'll be discussing with council on the 17th. Um, it's you know, we've had to take a look in, and there's a number of factors we can talk about uh, that go into decision making for what method we recommend. Um, but certainly appreciating the public does have an interest in internet building. So then you have to make sure everybody has a fair and accessible way of doing that, right? Because not everybody's exactly. got the greatest internet, etc. Exactly. Yeah. And accessibility is certainly a, an important thing that we, we consider throughout the process. Um, you know, looking at what method will be accessible. We always have uh, a good touch points and conversations with our accessibility services staff, uh, as well as the accessibility advisory committee to look at things, you know, everything from the remote voting option, whatever that uh, final council decision is, um, in-person voting. Um, we're also considering a, a potential uh, vote from home pilot. So we'll be considering and, and discussing accessibility with, uh, with the folks who know that best. How, how are you feeling about telephone voting? So telephone voting is something that we're not recommending. Um, you know, in our report that's going on the 17th, we do express some concerns with, uh, with internet voting. And we know that telephone voting, the actual base of that platform is all of the votes are sent and counted through the internet voting system. So any concerns we express with them, with the internet voting process or method, it also applies to telephone voting. Um, you know, we also know that based on kind of surveying and understanding who uses that method, it's not very commonly used by municipalities our size. That how we have about a little over ninety thousand electors. So, 
not commonly used at that size, um, typically lower levels of use, which is something obviously we want to make sure that people will want to use an option we offer. And we do have some concerns with telephone voting around accessibility. So, um, you know, whether internet voting and different methods typically offer some form of customization that can, you know, a voter can stipulate how they would like to vote or kind of adjust a voting experience to, to work best for them. Um, you know, it limits customization because it is uh, an audio recording. It wouldn't be someone interacting with a, a person on the phone to vote. And, you know, certainly that limits the support that someone can receive if they would like to have someone assist them to vote, uh, or obviously if they speak uh, English as a second or third language, there's challenges potentially accessing that voting method. You know, if I can jump in, Wendy, too, one sure. thing that the, the way to look at it is, is um, if we have, you know, a, a, a litany of candidates on the ballot, you can imagine going through a vote, phone voting process where all of those, you know, press one for this candidate, press two for this candidate, you can imagine how long that might be. And so we're trying to make sure, I mean, delivering an election is like any other service that the city delivers. We're trying to make it accessible. We're trying to make it intuitive. We're trying to make it easy. You know, making voting easy is, is something that's important to us. Yeah, you know, and it's it's such an education too because we're so kind of, you know, trained and it's election day is one day and we have this much time and we line up and and whether it's even going to go back to that, right? I know this you're not doing this just because of COVID, but that's something you have to consider. Absolutely. I think the the COVID pandemic makes us think um, I mean, we were always thinking quite deliberately about remote voting methods to, to again, make, you know, enhance the service that is election services, but um, obviously congregating in large crowds, we hope that we're at a different spot in October of 2022 than we are now, even in, in January of 20 or February of 2021, but we need to be mindful of that. We need to be ready for that. What's your gut feeling? Do you think we'll go back to that or can you even guess at this point? I think if I could guess, I'd be. I know, I might right? Be a very, might be a very rich man. I, I don't know, but no. I mean, I think the reality is, I think that that, that people are going to take their time. I would imagine to to sort of get back to normal. I think people are eager to sort of get back to quote unquote normal. Um, but you know, I also think that people are going to be hesitant about large congregations, and we know it's it's of no fault of of the election design or the system, but we know that people tend to go to the polls later in the day, right? It's sort of, oh, I, today's election, oh, I gotta get out and vote, right? So people are gonna wanna avoid those sort of long lines and that kind of thing. And so um, us having the opportunity to offer a remote method for those that aren't comfortable or people that might be immunocompromised, maybe they've got uh, disabilities as as uh, as Jen mentioned, like we've gotta give people the opportunity to vote in, in, in ways that um, support them and make it easy for them. And you're so right, making it easy, right? Because then we used to, we didn't, we didn't used to have uh, early voting. Now it's kind of, we're expecting that now that you're going to have a, a week or so of early voting. And, yep. and now you're giving us all these options, which, you know, we wouldn't even have thought before. It was just always traditionally one day, you know, you know, eight to eight or whatever it was. And there you, and there's always, I, uh, I worked an election one time and there's so many things that come up on the spot. So I understand what you're saying about phone voting would kind of be just a real hassle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So just to switch switch gears a little bit, um, uh, do I understand that you're adding an integrity commissioner? And if so, what is that person's role? Like probably that's for you, Stephen? Yeah, not necessarily adding. We've had an integrity commissioner at the city of Guelph where council has appointed an integrity commissioner, I should say. 
since 2011, which is around the time when that position was um, added as a quote unquote accountability officer under the municipal uh, municipal act. So, um, but what what is different this time around is as of January 1st, um, there's a new integrity commissioner for the city of Guelph. So on uh, at the end of last year, uh, effective January 1, council appointed uh, Mr. John Mascaren of Airden Burles LLP as the city's new integrity commissioner. And so really this is a, an accountability officer that's sort of formally required by every municipality under that, again, that municipal act that I mentioned. Um, and they play a unique role. Their, their role is to basically provide advice and guidance on and at times enforcement of council's code of conduct. They also support council by providing advice on municipal conflict of interest matters. Uh, and they also, you know, important for listeners is they have a public education role as well. So, and they accomplish that through various means. We, we require our, our integrity commission to have an annual report. So that's a good way for the public to be aware of the actions and things that the integrity commissioner carried out over, over the previous year. Um, and actually the city's previous integrity commissioner was interviewed by another local podcaster as part of, as sort of part of fulfilling that public education mandate. Very good. And I know there's lots of ways for the public to engage with council and with your office. Um, but for, at council, we always used to have delegations, which I'm sure you still do. Yep. Um, but how do you do that in the COVID world? Well, actually, I'm I'm pretty proud of and, and kudos to Dylan and his team for this. Um, I think we were one of the first, if not the first, to sort of go virtual with with council meetings. And that was um, you know, if the pandemic, I remember correctly, it was March 13th, it was Friday the 13th, and, and the 16th uh, was the Monday. I think the province passed legislation on the 17th or the 18th, allowing for remote council meetings. And I think we had our meeting, you know, sometime on the 22nd or 23rd, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, and we're, we're now fully remote. Uh, people can call in, they can, to delegate, they can, uh, uh, they can listen and tune in. We, we broadcast live through guelph.ca slash live. So um, it's still a very public process. Um, it's just a virtual and remote public process. It's probably a lot handier for a lot of people, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think, I think you know, it's not uncommon. And Dylan had a meeting on Monday night that he was uh, in the clerk's chair for, and there was a significant amount of delegates. You know, previously, that means that those people would have had to come to City Hall and sit and wait for their turn to speak. Now they're still listening and, and sort of waiting, but they can do that from the comfort of their home. And I think about parents with young families or um, families with, with older, uh, older adults uh, as parents that they need to care for. And so I think, uh, I think it, it's added a level of accessibility for sure. That's great. Well, great information, everybody. And maybe just a couple quick questions. Um, Stephen, I'll, I'll give it to you, uh, I guess, rapid fire uh, okay. session here. Um, and I, I know that's hard, but how did the initiatives that we've discussed affect your budget? Um, well, on the voting method side that Jen spoke about, that's covered. That's in a um, that's in a, a reserve that that council contributes to every year. Uh, the composition, the council composition, and and the uh, ward boundary that might have an impact. So we'll have to wait and see what comes of that. So um, it sort of depends depends on which one we're talking about. Right, and and same same basic thing. But how did the initiatives benefit your community? I, I think it's all about sort of um, continual maturity, continual growth as a, as a community. Um, you know, it's important. We have traffic master plans and parks master plans. It's important for council to look and consider their governance structure periodically. It's, it's, uh, you know, these things are foundational. They underpin all the decisions that council makes on things like transportation plans or, or parks plans. Um, this is really the plan for how council is structured when I, when I think about council composition and ward boundary. And the same thing holds true for the election services. It's about growth and, and, and um, continually offering the best services we can. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, this is maybe tough, but one word describing why the city wants to move forward on all of this. I think I will come back to sort of the, the same thing I mentioned earlier. So if I had to pick one word, it would sort of be maturity and growth. It's it's about continually evaluating what we do, growing as a community, growing as a, as a service provider that the city is, um, and making sure that, that the government that supports the community and represents the community is reflective of the community. Great. Well, I can see you guys have a lot of things on your plate. I better let you get to it. Yeah. Uh, my thanks to Stephen to Dylan and to Jennifer for helping us understand more of what happens in the city clerk's office. Thank you all, really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks I'm Wendy King me. for Big G in Conversation and let's keep the conversation going. I'm Wendy King with the City of Guelph's Big G in Conversation podcast. Thanks for joining me. If you have ideas for a show or comments, you can email biggpodcast at guelph.ca. Until next time, take care and let's keep the conversation going.